Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. You ever thought about what you're going to do when you see the Lord's face for the first time? Maybe you don't, but there's going to come a time when we're going to see him for the first time. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. The sermon's over, and now Jesus gives the invitation. The most important part of any message is the response time. A lot of people think the invitation is just sort of the conclusion of the service and don't really think anything about it. But did you know that's the time when people have heard the gospel, heard the message, whatever, and they respond. And so the invitation time of the service is the most important time. It's the time we pray that people would respond. And Jesus has told them, and now he gives the invitation. It actually goes down through verse 27. But we're going to look at verses 13 and 14 today. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Let's pray. Lord, we ask today that you would... Show clearly people who may not understand that there's only one way to be saved. We pray for those that are watching online. They may be watching by television. They may be watching here. I pray that you would speak to every heart to make clear the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A man boarded an airplane, an evening flight, a long flight. A flight attendant came by and said, sir, would you like to have dinner? He said, what are my choices? She said, yes or no. (laughs) Buddy Hackett, a, a comedian a long time ago, said that his family's menu consisted of two choices, take it or leave it. If you know of the child's story, Alice in Wonderland, Alice is on a road and she comes to a place that has two or three roads to it and and she doesn't know which way to go and the Cheshire Cat is there and so she asked the Cheshire Cat, which way should I go? And he said, well, really, it depends on where you want to go. And Alice said, it doesn't really matter to me. And the cat said, then it doesn't matter which road you go on. We make a lot of choices in our life. The average person, according to a Columbia researcher, makes about 70 choices or decisions a day. Now, that's 25,500 choices or decisions you make every year. And if you live to be 70 years old, and some of you are already past that, then you will make about 1.8 million choices. You got a lot of choices to make. Mercy, what to do, where to go, what to eat, what to wear, what to buy, who to marry, what career to follow, and so forth. Go in the grocery store and go down the cereal aisle. 
many choices are there? And not only that, if you just want a certain kind of cereal, there'd be three manufacturers of it and six flavors of it. Choices. Americans like choice. Until it comes to the place of going to heaven. You see, there are some decisions you're going to make that have eternal consequences. The choice determines your destiny. The most important decision you'll ever make concerns Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. The choice to accept him or to reject him. The choice to trust him or to turn from him. You'll either accept him or reject him. You have to decide, did he say that, did he tell us the truth when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? No one comes to the Father except by me or through me, John 14, 6. Well, I can assure you there is only one way to heaven, only one, and that's through Jesus Christ. Don't take my word for it. God said it. Up to this point on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been given standards of holy and righteous living of those in God's kingdom. He calls us God's children. And he said, when you live as God's child, you're going to live a certain way. Actually, it's going to be directly opposite of those in man-made religions. And he gives a lot of different choices about, or or a lot of different statements about the way that we live as the children of God. But now he gives you the choice, or he lists the choice of entering the kingdom of God. And the contrast Jesus makes is not between religion and no religion, or between the higher religions and the lower ones. It's not a contrast between nice and upright people and vile and denigrated people. It, it, it's, a, it's a choice of righteousness, divine righteousness or man's righteousness. And man's righteousness is unrighteousness. You see, there's nothing righteous about you and me. None of us are righteous. None of us are holy. It's a contrast between divine revelation from God and a contrast of man-made religion. And there's a big difference. It's a contrast between God's grace and God's works. It's a contrast between trying to earn it and God giving it and you accepting it by faith. There's always been two systems of religions in the world. One is God's system of divine accomplishment and provision. Jesus paid it all. God provided it all. And man accepts it by faith. The other system is some kind of human achievement. I'm going to be good enough. One is grace, the other one is works. One is by faith, the other one is the flesh. One is the religion of the sincere heart. The other is a religion of hypocrisy. And it's external. Man has built thousands of external ways in his mind that he's going to get to heaven. But they're all built on the achievement of man. Only God has given us the weight of salvation, and he paid it all. Even the law that God gave Moses, even the law was given for one reason. It was not given to save. It was not given for man to keep the law and be saved. In fact, Romans 3.20, it says, By the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. 
For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. The law was given so we know we're sinners and we're separated from God. When you tell somebody they're a sinner today, they will call you self-righteous or they will call you self-ego-centered. But man has always been that way. We, we've created our own standards, and then when we create our own standards, we make it easy for us. I found one that I can live up to. I promise you, whatever lifestyle you want to live, you can find a religion that will fit it. If you want to be loose, I, I, I'm just going to tell you, if you, if you, a lot of people don't like it here, and that's okay, because we're just going to go verse by verse through the scripture, and we deal with the hard stuff. And you know what? We deal with the stuff that God told us to deal with. We're not judgmental. We're not bigoted. We're not racist. We're just telling you that the truth is truth. That God gave it. And so when we say there's only one way to heaven, they say, well, that's your opinion. No, it's not my opinion. It's God's revelation. God said it, period. And I know that when this hits the television, there are going to be some hacked off people. But you know what? I hope they're hacked off enough to hear the truth, to hear the gospel. The rabbis and the scribes had done this to their traditions. They found ways that man could achieve. They lowered God's standards. They raised their own estimates of themselves. Romans 10.3 said, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. So from here on through the verse 27, Jesus repeatedly points out two things. He says there's a necessity of choosing whether or not to follow God, and that fact, there's only two choices. In fact, listen to this. There's two gates, the narrow and the wide. There's two ways, the narrow and the broad. Two destinations, life and destruction. Two groups, the few and the many. Two kinds of trees, the good and the bad. That produce two kinds of fruit, the good and the bad. Two kinds of people who profess faith in Christ, the sincere and the false. Two kinds of builders, wise and foolish. Two foundations, the rock and the sand. Two houses, the secure and the insecure. All down through verse 27, you see there's only two two choices yes or no John 6 66 Jesus said there's a choice and listen to what the scripture says as a result of this many of his disciples which is really the word followers many of his followers withdrew and were not walking with him anymore and Jesus looked at the 12 and said do you not want to go away also and Simon Peter said Lord to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So, ladies and gentlemen, don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. There's only one way to heaven. It is the high way to heaven. Now, with that in mind, I want you to notice in verse 13 and 14 a couple of things. They all have to do with two. First, there's two doorways. Two entrances. And the word enter, the very first word in verse 13, enter by the narrow way. The word enter is an aorist imperative tense verb. What in the world does that mean? Aorist means it happens at a point in time. Sometime you're going to go through the gate. And imperative means it's not a suggestion, it's a command. 
Jesus said, you must enter. You must go through it. Period. You don't follow in on somebody else's coattails. You don't get it by osmosis. Some people think if they sit in church long enough, they'll just be saved. It just kind of soaks in enough that you're saved. No, you've got to go through the gate. You don't admire it. You don't ponder it. You don't measure it. There are a lot of people who know about Jesus. They believe in Jesus, but they don't believe that they need to be saved. It's not some gate. It's a narrow gate. Narrow. Every person enters one gate or the other. Actually, if you don't enter the narrow gate, you're already in the broad one. You were born in the broad one. So you have to enter this narrow gate. And that's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What part of no one do you not understand? The the statement that Christ is the only way is not our view. We didn't make this up. Baptists didn't make this up. Christians didn't make this up. God gave it by revelation. Why do we proclaim Jesus is the only way? Because God said it. God gave it to us. We proclaim the narrow gate because Jesus said, John 10, 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved. And we proclaim a narrow gospel because Acts 4, 12 says, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. And we proclaim a narrow gospel because 1 Timothy 2, 5 says there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. We proclaim a narrow gospel because it's the only gospel. The person who enters the narrow gate enters alone. It's a turnstile. You know what a turnstile is? When you go into an amusement park, they only let you in one at a time. You turn that little bar. That's the picture here. You see, you don't ride in on your parents' coattails. You don't ride in on your grandparents' coattails. It doesn't matter how many preachers have been in your family. That doesn't make you a Christian. And any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. (laughs) You've got to go in the narrow gate one at a time. Everyone has to enter it. You can't just get it by association. You can't go in with the crowd. You go in one at a time. The narrow gate is the way of the cross. Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it, Matthew 16, 24. The narrow gate demands repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9, God doesn't want any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. You see, a lot of people, you'll be amazed. We ask people, what do you think it takes to get a person into heaven? Just be a good person. Oh, I I, I walk the aisle. (laughs) I walk the aisle every week. (laughs) I, I, I got baptized. I joined a church. I want to tell you something. Those are all good things. 
But unless you have repented of your sin, what does that mean? Turn from your sin. You realize you're headed down the wrong path and the broad way, and God, I need your help. I, I can't save myself. I'm coming to you in repentance. I turn from my sin. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe he rose again, and I commit my life to him. Unless you trust Jesus, you haven't been saved. You don't trust any man on this earth, including the Pope. He does not, he is not God. He, he can't save you. Nobody can grant you absolution. Nobody can forgive you of your sin. Only Jesus can. Because Jesus lived a sinless life. And God put your sin and mine, transferred it to him. He paid the price. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's two doors. Repentance. A lot of people say, well, I prayed a prayer. So? I prayed a lot of prayers. People in casinos pray prayers. <laughs> They're probably more serious about their prayer than most people in church are. <laughs> God, please let me win. Please let me win. In 1951, Red Skelton, now I wasn't born in 1951, but I do remember Red Skelton, a comedian, happened to be a clean comedian. And he was with, on an airplane with friends flying to Europe where he was to appear at the London Palladium. But as they were flying over the Swiss Alps, three of the four planes' engines quit. And the situation looked very grave, and the passengers began to pray. Skelton went into one of his best comic routines to distract them from the emergency as the plane lost altitude, coming closer and closer to the mountains. And at the last moment, the pilot saw a large field among the slopes and made a perfect landing. Everyone was silent, and Red Skelton said, Now, ladies and gentlemen, you may return to the evil habits you gave up 20 minutes ago. <laughs> there was no repentance. You don't just give it up and then say, I'm going to live like I want. Oswald Sanders said a West Indian who had chosen Mohammedism in preference to Christianity gave as his reason that Mohammedism is a noble, broad path. There is room for a man and his sins on it. The way of Christ is a narrow way. The sins have to be left behind. You want to know why there are a lot of people who supposedly make decisions for Jesus and then they are forever gone. A lot of times it's because there's been no repentance. They just prayed a prayer. I'm not here to cast doubt on your salvation, but I'd rather cast doubt on your salvation and see you come to know Jesus than for you to think you're saved just because you did something a long time ago that really didn't change your heart and life. There's no perfect people. I'm not saying you've got to be perfect. You're misreading that if you hear me say that. But I'm here to tell you that when you meet Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you do not stay the same. Amen. You don't. He changes your life. 
The wide gate is of the world. It's full of pride and self-indulgence. It's the easy path, the two doorways. It's where all the crowds are. But as far as salvation is concerned, there is not security in numbers because it says few enter by the narrow gate because broad is the way and there are many on the, and the wide gate. So folks, I want to tell you, there's two doorways. Jesus Christ or eternity without God. That's the only two there are. Period. God said it. Not only are there two doorways, there's two directions, two extremes. Two extremes. The narrow way is the godly way. The broad way is the way of the ungodly. The way that is broad is the easy way. It's the attractive one. It's inclusive. It's indulgent. It's permissive. It's self-oriented. There are no rules, few restrictions, few requirements. All you need to do is just say you profess Jesus and then live like you want and be inclusive of everything that life has to offer. You're under grace so you can live like you want. That's called the broad way. That is not what Jesus said. God's grace is free. It is not cheap. And when you say, I commit my life to Jesus and nothing changes, Something's not right because the Holy Spirit indwells you. The Holy Spirit will not allow you to keep on sinning without it just bothering you. The broad way, the narrow way, it's the hard way. In fact, the word narrow is the word stenos. We get our word stenography from that word, which means abbreviated or compressed. It means to groan as being under pressure. Eliot's commentary said that narrow literally means pressed or hemmed in between two walls or rocks like the pathway in a mountain gorge. And there are few who find it. The narrow way. We're in the minority, have you noticed? As Christians, you're one of the few on Sunday morning of the 225 to 30,000 people in Lubbock, Texas. You're one of the few who acknowledge Jesus. We're in the minority. There's few who find it. God's way implies that it ought to be sought diligently. It, God's way of salvation is simple, but it's not easy. A child can come to Christ, but it's not easy to stay on that path. Have you ever heard the, fr the phrase, only dead fish swim with the current? Amen. Well, people without Jesus are dead in their trespasses and sin. And there's a flow on the broad way that everybody's in. And people who are dead in their trespasses and sin are going with the flow they're religious people. They're nice people. They're good people. They're famous people. They are moral people. But they haven't entered the doorway through Jesus Christ. They're good. Good people. And so man begins to say, well, you know, it's just hard for me to believe that that person's so nice that, that, that God just won't let them into heaven. Well, folks, there's only one way for your sin to be covered, and that's by the shed blood of Christ. And 
there are going to be lots of good people, what we would call good, who are on the wrong direction. Those without Christ are like dead fish swimming with the current. But when you come to Christ, he gives you life. Amen? I sound like I'm mad. I'm really not mad. I'm just passionate about it. I don't mean to sound angry. I, when you come to Christ, we use terms like I, I've been made alive in Jesus. I've been set free from my sin. I've, I see the light of the gospel. I once was blind to my sin, but now I see the light of the gospel. But those on the Broadway, they're headed the wrong direction. They don't even realize it. Some of them don't. Some time ago in a scientific magazine published an article about a certain species of alligator. This particular alligator seems to be a pretty lazy beast. They seldom hunt for their dinner. They just wait for their victims to come to them. So they lie near the bank and they have their mouth open. And they act like they're dead. Sort of like people in church. <laughs> After a while, the flies begin to, to land on that moist tongue and other bugs crawl in. And then that'll draw a lizard or a frog. And they come in there and before you know it, you got a crowd in there and then wham, party's over. Well, that's the way it is with people who are on the broad way. Let's face it, living a holy life in an unholy world isn't easy. We think of the, the narrow way as, as sort of over here and the broad way is over here. I want to tell you where the narrow way is. It's right in the middle of the broad way going the opposite direction. It's right in the middle of it, going the opposite, swimming against the current. And it's not easy living a pure life in a world full of profanity. And it's not easy to stand up for a Christ in a world that despises him, to stand firm in the faith among the world of liars and murderers and deceivers with no sense of shame for what they do. And they call you names because you don't agree with them on the Broadway. Amen. But they're headed the wrong direction, don't even realize it. You're on the right path. If you follow Jesus, yeah, there are going to be some people make fun of you. Yeah, they're going to disagree with you. Yeah, they may even call you names. But you just remember what's at the end of this gate. It's headed, you're headed toward the Lord. You've been saved. Your, your life is becoming of the Christ, becoming of Christ, becoming of a Christian. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is about. He said the broad way is the easy path. That's why a lot of people quit. They give up. There's two doors, two entrances. There's two directions. There's two extremes. But there's two destinations too. Notice the ends. Now, in those days, there were two roads for Jewish people or for people of that time. The wide road was about 24 feet, 16 cubits. A narrow path or a more private road was about six feet wide or four cubits. 
We know the difference between a wide road and a narrow road. You know the difference between an interstate and a farm-to-market road. You know the difference. Did you notice the road conditions that Jesus gave? The ones that lead to death or destruction, the on-ramp to this road is wide. The road conditions are broad. Traffic report, there's many on it. And the destination, destruction. But on this narrow path, the on-ramp is small. In fact, it's so small, only one person at a time can come through Jesus. The road conditions, it's narrow. Traffic report, there's few on it. But the destination's life. It's either or, folks. First, Jesus mentions the path of destruction. What's he talking about? He's talking about hell. Oh, nobody likes to talk about hell. We're too sophisticated to talk about hell. Besides that, how can a loving God send anybody to hell? God's not going to send anybody to hell. You're already on the road to hell. He's trying to save you from it. You were born with a sinful nature. You were born separated from God. Your sin has separated you from God. And God never intended for hell to be for people. But both the broad, here's the, here's the, here's the weird thing though. When you get on the broad highway, it doesn't say anything about hell. If, if the Broadway said, this is the road to hell, nobody would get on it. But no, 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 no. No, this is the way. Listen, it's wide open. There are a lot of different ways to heaven. This is the fun way. This is the inclusive way. This is the tolerant way. This is the way, and everybody's going to go. Because nowhere does it indicate that the sign on the road, the broad path, leads to heaven or to hell. That's the great lie about all false religions of human achievement. Every religion, every religion, every religion except Christianity follows the same spiritual path that leads to destruction and hell. That is going to get some mail. There are many of those roads, most of them attractive, they're appealing, they're crowded with travelers. Some of them do good works. Wait a minute. If you ask the average person out there, how do you get to heaven? Oh, you just do, you just do good works. Let me, let, me, let me illustrate it this way. Take a $20 bill. This $20 bill can do a lot of good. It can buy food for a young family. It can buy heating oil for an elderly couple. He might even wind his way in church. All good stuff. And then it gets taken to the bank and an alert clerk says, you know what? This bill's counterfeit. And so it's destroyed. Well, now wait a minute. It did a lot of good stuff. But it wasn't genuine. So they destroyed it. And by the way, the word destruction, see, there, there are even Christians today, at least they claim to be, who will say, well, you know what? I, believe in, I don't really believe in hell because it says there'll be 
given to destruction, they'll be destroyed. They think they'll be annihilated, that you'll be no more. You won't exist anymore and that you won't know anything. You won't go to heaven, but you won't know anything. But that's not what Jesus said. And I believe Jesus over any philosopher or theologian. Jesus said, the word destruction there does not mean you're annihilated. It means total loss and ruin. It means to be complete, the complete loss of well-being. Thanatos, when we die, that's, that's the word for death. Thanatos means the spirit separates from the body. The second death is the separation from God for eternity. It's called hell. Let's just call it what it is. I don't like it. It scares people. But I want to tell you something, you ought to be scared of it. You ought to be terrified of it. Because I don't want anyone to go there. Because it's forever. You're not not going to get prayed out of it. It's no purgatory. No holding tank. Give you another chance. It's not. Don't take my word for it. Read the Bible. But the other way is the path of deliverance to heaven. God's way leads to everlasting fellowship with him. Heaven. <laughs> oh, man, most of y'all aren't very excited about it. And, and, and. God puts in us the desire to live as long as we can. But your concept of heaven is eternal preaching. <laughs> Some of you right now think, I've already been in here for an eternity. <laughs> Let me ask you something. When God created the world, and I believe he created the world from nothing. I believe he spoke it into being. I don't believe any of this nonsense about an explosion and evolution and all that. It's nonsense. It is. It's a theory. Don't let anybody tell you it's a fact because they weren't here. They don't know. It's a theory. But when God created the world and he put Adam and Eve in it, what did he say? I want you to sit in church forever. He gave them dominion. And he did a great job creating the world, and now it's cursed and it's messed up. But you know what? One of these days, he's going to redo it. We're not going to sit in church all the time. There won't be any preaching in heaven. That ought to be heaven enough for some of you. (laughs) We're going to be praising God. We're going to be enjoying variety. When you read the little, little glimpses, it's like looking through a hole in a fence when you get little glimpses of heaven in the scripture, but what you do see, you think, man, I can't wait to see the rest of that. I don't know anyone that doesn't want to go to heaven. You're not going to be an angel. God doesn't need another angel. Well, God took this person. They needed another angel. God doesn't need another angel. You're not going to be an angel. You're created higher than the angels. Everlasting life. 
There's an old song that said, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Nora Newport, a Christian magazine, said, as we returned from vacation Bible school one summer day, my young daughter, Melissa, asked if we could stop at the library. And when I asked her why, she said, this morning my teacher told me that the only way to get to heaven is if our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and I just want to make sure my name's in there. (laughs) Well, the Lamb's Book of Life is not in the library, but did you notice the Revelation calls it the Lamb's book of life, the perfect lamb of God, the sinless son of God who died for us and rose again, delivering us from sin to pay the price. And when you commit your life in repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, you know what God does? He baptizes you, immerses you with the righteousness of Jesus. That's why we baptize by immersion to completely show the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the life, the old way of life is gone. We have a new life in Christ. We are immersed in the righteousness of Jesus. I got some good news for you. You know why there's only few that enter the gate? It's not because it's too small. There's no limit to the gate. People can keep coming through it. There's no, the number's few. It's not because heaven's space is limited. There's plenty of space for more people. And the number of few is not because God desires people to perish. In fact, he wants all to come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, not all will, but he wants that. But I want to tell you this in closing. There are a lot of people on the the broad way. And you know what God has done? He's put all kinds of obstacles here. He's put the word of God that shows us the gospel. He's put the church that preaches the truth of the gospel. He's put praying parents and grandparents. And he's put praying friends and other Christian friends. And people that walk down that broad way, they've got to walk all past all these obstacles on the road to destruction. And once again, today, he's put an obstacle in your way. And that's because you've been told that Jesus Christ is the only way. And some of you need to come to Christ. You don't depend on something that happened as a child. There's a change in your life. Folks, you go by faith. You don't go by feelings. You go by faith. But God has put the Holy Spirit here to convict you and to convince you you need to be saved. He's the only way. And if you never found Jesus, you do not have to be a Baptist to find Jesus. You don't have to join our church to find Jesus. But you must repent of your sin and place your faith in Christ. Would you bow your heads? We're going to enter the most important time of the service right now. Some of you may be like me. You went to church all your life. 
You thought, you know what? I was about 30% saved before Jesus ever saved me. No, I wasn't any saved. I was spiritually bankrupt, poor in spirit when Jesus saved me. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior today, some the Holy Spirit may be knocking. He may be pounding on you saying, listen, he's talking to you. I know you're afraid. I know you're thinking, what will other people think? It doesn't matter. He's talking to you, and he's saying, listen, God loves you. God wants to save you. God will forgive you today. He'll give you eternal life. But you must enter. Right now, it's a command. Enter the narrow way. Heavenly Father, we pray for those who need Jesus. They may be online. They may be on television, watching on television. They may be at home. They may be here. Lord, please show them how much you love them, how you will save them. To pray for those that need the Lord today. Pray for Christians who are living in sin that they would confess that sin make it right with you today. Lord, if there are those that need a church home, this is the place you want them to come, then you bring them here. If there are some who need to be baptized, then you show them clearly that's what you want them to do. But I pray, Father, that your spirit would not be hindered in any way during these next couple of minutes to bring people to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, to make a commitment, or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.